All right. It's good to see you guys this morning. It's nice to have an extra hour of sleep. Praise the Lord. That's good. Almost didn't even need coffee this morning, but then I realized, yes, I do. I do need coffee. Um, I see some of you guys follow suit. That's great. Holy Spirit, God's Word, and coffee. It all works together. It's a great holy thing. Uh, But it's good to see you guys here this morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 23 through 31. Uh, 23 through 31. If you've got your... uh, your journal with the scripture and, and all that, you can use that. Or if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you don't have that. I think there's some in the back. Or you can reach in front of you and grab one of the Bibles that are in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible at home, you need one, just grab one of those and take it with you. No one's going to stop you at the door. All right? Don't worry about it. It's all good. And we're going to be in the, um, the ESV is where I'm preaching out of today. I know that's what most of you guys have. This is Pastor Dave said. I'm Blake Canterbury, I'm the church, plant, uh, church planter at Residence here at City on a Hill. We're planting Redemption Church in Monroe, about 45 minutes south of here. And uh, God's doing amazing things with our church plant. We're getting closer and closer. We got a place to launch out of in 2022. And uh, we're getting a group. Uh, our group is coming together. We got some of our people here today. Some that are going to be watching online. Just really excited for what God has in store for us as a church plant in Monroe. And we'll be, you'll be hearing more about us as we get closer to launch. Amen. So just really excited uh, to be here this morning. All right, let me go ahead and read. I think I gave you enough time to find it. Uh, Let me go ahead and read uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. When they were released, they went to, to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel." to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to open your word today, to allow the testimony of your church 2,000 years ago on a whole other continent. And this early church, this this new work uh, through Christ, to see their testimony and to be able to apply it by your spirit to our lives. So Father, as we read today, as as we mine your word for what you have for us, let us see and let us know what, you, what your spirit is saying. Give us boldness. Lord, grow us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the great thing about doing a sermon series where you're going through a book of a Bible is that you get to see everything in context. So if you're here last week, you, you know, Pastor Dave was talking about the beginning of chapter four, and that's Peter and John before the council or the Sanhedrin, uh, the leaders, uh, the pre, chief priest of the people of Israel, and they're in trouble. 
Uh, they, they just gave, gave the gospel, and a, a man who was lame was healed, and these guys didn't like it. They crucified Jesus. They, they, didn't want, they thought this Jesus stuff was done, and it's not done. And if, you, if you've got your Bibles open, just look back a little bit. I just want to read a little bit to you from, from that, just to give you a little bit of context here. So chapter 4, verse 13 through 21, real quick, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, now they being the council, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They, they look like Jesus, they act like Jesus, they've been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For what a notable sign that, that for that a notable sign had been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name, the name of Jesus. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to listen to God, you must judge. For we cannot speak what of what we have, we, but for, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because the people were all praising God for what happened. So instantly from there, they go back to the church, Peter and John. They show up where the church is at and they tell them this is what's happened. So just to kind of get the idea of this, if you're back, if you're sitting in that church building, all right, this is city on a hill and, and back in the book of Acts, all right, you're sitting in, in that building. Here comes Peter and John. They tell you what's happened. It's, a bare, it's not a light thing. It's a very heavy thing. Big news that they just gave you. They went, spoke, taught the name of Jesus. Someone was healed. Amen. But then the leaders of their religious community, the leaders of their, of their cultural community, just told them, don't do it anymore or else. And Guys, as, as, we, as we look at this, I want you to understand this was, and, and, and Dave kind of spoke about this last week, that you know, from this point on, you're going to see the church persecuted. From this point on, persecution just comes to the church. But this is a pivotal moment where the church makes a decision. And we're going to talk about how they came to that process today. Because I think that's super helpful when we determine the decisions we make as we follow the will of God, as we look at the word of God, as we, as we pray, as we discern what's in front of us in our lives, what's in front of us as the church of Jesus Christ, what we're called to do, where we're called to do it, and how we're called to do it, as we go through all that, as we're led by God, we're going to see, we're going to have, and you probably already have, maybe in your life, pivotal moments where you've got to make the choice. Are you going to speak with boldness or not? And the church had this moment right here. They hear, the, they hear the testimony. They hear what happens. They get the news bulletin. And then they do something about it. So let's talk about what they did. All right. The first thing they did was they reacted to this news with prayer. So they react with prayer. We see this in verse 24. When they had heard it, when they have heard these, this news, they lifted their voice together to God. 
And they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So when the church receives this news that they've got to stop teaching, speaking, meeting in the name of Jesus, they've got to stop that those who are in authority in their, in their world, everything they've known, known is, is telling them to stop, that they've got to do it. This is how they react. They go, okay, first thing we need to do is we need to pray. We don't need to sit down and try to figure this out on our own. We don't need to have a leadership meeting about this. We don't need to uh, go through, uh, we, we just need to pray. We need to go before our Lord. We, know we need to go before God and lay this before him. And that's what they do. They pray. And they pray in such a way that they start out understanding who is really in authority over them, under whose authority they do this. So they start first with sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the creator of all things, the sea and everything in them. He is the one who created everything. He is the one who gave them Christ. He is the one who is in total control of their lives. And I got to say, sometimes in my life, when I think about or when I have pivotal moments, my gut reaction isn't just to pray. My gut reaction, I'm just being honest, is to try to fix it, try to figure it out, try to go, what do I do next? And, and, and lay everything out. And you may be like me where you think that way, like where you kind of go like, okay, okay so here's a, here's a major issue. Here's a, here's a pivotal point. And I'm just going to try to figure this out and then react in the best way. But that's not what the church does here. They react by going before God and saying, Lord, you are sovereign. You're the creator. You've got this. I'm going to come before you. And what are we supposed to do? And the reason why they do that, I really believe, and you can see it through the, even the first few chapters of Acts. So Acts starts with, we see, especially in, in chapter two, it starts with the day of Pentecost. And what were they doing? They were praying. They were together as a church in one accord. Prayer wasn't just something they reacted to bad news with. Prayer was something that they reacted with everything with. It was what they did. They sought the Lord first. And so when they get this, they, they have this big news, they seek the Lord first. They go to him first. They understand who he is. They understand that he, they are under his authority. They're still remembering the Great Commission. They're still remembering the words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven, which is all authority on heaven and earth is given unto me. So even though the authority in their culture is telling them no, they understand who their real authority is. And they go to them first. So the question we need as we look at this and we look at how the church reacts here, the question we need to ask ourselves is, do we react with prayer? Do we react with prayer? Especially when things get rough and tough. Now, what I love about prayer and what I love about God is God, he, his door is always open. Prayer isn't something that we should do when things are tough. Prayer is something we should do always. By God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been given a right relationship with him. That's the good news. And through that good news, we now have God residing within us through his spirit. And we have an open door, an open access to God at any moment, any time, anywhere, no matter what. 
If you feel lonely, if you feel lost, if you feel out of control, if you feel all these things, whatever you feel, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you see, you've got God with you and He is for you. He is here for you to speak, to talk, to interact, to petition, to pour out your heart and your, and your need, your hurt, your lostness, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're seeing, whatever's in front of you. As the church reacts in this way, we see that it's, it's a change in a natural mindset. That instead of going, okay, our authority that would hurt us, that could physically hurt us, has told us no. Instead of just giving in to that, which would be so much easier, it's so much easier in the natural, they understand that their authority is higher than anything else. And they go to him first. So what do we do, Lord? This is who you are. We see number two, the second thing that they do is they rely on God's plan. We see this in verse 25 through 28. So they, they start to pray, and this is what their prayer looks like. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, by the Holy Spirit, and then they quote Psalm 2, verses 1 through 2, and this is what it says. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you appointed, who you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They rely on God's plan. They understand. They even back during the time of their father, David, the servant of God, the king, the King David, under the power of the Holy Spirit, writes and, and actually a word of prophecy that the Gentiles write, the people's plot in vain, the kings of the earth set themselves up, the rulers gather against the Lord and against his anointed, which is Jesus. And then they go on to say, listen, we even know that this is prophecy fulfilled because truly in this city, we've seen it. We saw Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel come against Jesus and crucify him. So we see, Lord, that opposition to the good news, opposition to, to Jesus, opposition to us, and opposition ultimately to God is something that should and will happen and has. They identify this because they see that all that opposition, all that's happened was according to God's plan. That he predestined even when, when David spoke these words thousands of years before Christ, that he predestined that the Lord's anointed would be, would be uh, that, that they would come against him. And he goes, and then this verse, and verse 28 shows us, it says, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God knew the opposition that would come against Christ. He knew the opposition that's coming against the church. So they say, listen, we know that what we're seeing is not news to you, God. I love that. Our God does not sit up in heaven and gets, and, you know, he gets news bulletin notifications on his iPhone and goes, whoa, hey, man, 
oh, did you see what happened on earth? Did you see what's going on with the church? Did you see? Oh, wow. No, he's not. Nothing's news to him. He knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He knows what's going to happen. He's, he knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's happening in the life of the church today. He knows what we're dealing with today is not news to him. He knows. He knew. He predestined. It's according to plan. Even the death of Jesus, that's according to plan. For the people of Israel to, and, the, and the Sanhedrin, the chief priests to come against him, that's according to plan. For Pontius Pilate and the Romans to come against him, that's according to plan. For Herod to come against him, that's according to plan. For Peter and John to be brought before the council and told, do not speak in the name of Jesus any longer, that's according to his plan. He's got a plan, a will. God is sovereign. It's a big theological word and idea, but it means He is in absolute control. There's nothing new under the sun for Him. All that you're going through is not something novel for Him. It's not above His pay grade. It's not something that He's never, He, he didn't know would happen. It's It's... It's something that he already knows and will always know. Isn't that amazing to know that God's got a plan? And even when you're facing opposition, even when you're facing hard times, even when you're facing things that are out of your control, to know that he's got a plan. And that whatever you're going through is even according to plan. And the church sees this and they go, whatever happens, do whatever is Whatever your hand and your plan is predestined to take place, they're like, God, whatever you're going to do, do it. And we see number three here. We see that they refill with God's faithfulness. And this is where I want to, I want to park here for just a little bit. Verse 29 says this, And now, the Lord, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak with your word with all boldness. Because here's the idea. I want to point this out. Grant your servants. Now, if you've got a different translation than the one I'm speaking from, it might say something different. It might actually say bond servants. A bond servant is different than a regular servant back in this context, back in in the days of the the apostles in the book of Acts in chapter 4. A bond servant would be someone that they don't have a choice. They are are, there's a bond. They They are a servant whether they like it or not. So this is where this helps us as followers of Christ to understand, okay, so when, when we react with prayer, we know God is sovereign and in control. We know he has a plan, but we're dealing with some stuff, some opposition, some hard things that we got to go through. And we know it's, there's a plan, but how do we go through that plan? How do we have boldness? How do we speak his word and do what he's called us to do in the context he's called us to do it? within this pressure and all this stuff going on, how do we navigate this messy world and messy lives with messy people? How do we do that with boldness when I feel like I'm just a mess? We see here that 
the wording here for bonds, for servants as bond servants, it's that they were bought with a price. That their lives aren't their own any longer. They were bought with this price, and the price that we know is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's good news. What we see in this good news that we have in Jesus Christ is that he died. He went to, the, went to this old rugged cross that we sing about, and he died for our sins, for our shame, for our guilt, for, con- for eternal condemnation that we deserve. He died, shed his blood, so that we can be eternally healed and set free. But now he is our Lord. He is our Savior. We are under his authority We move according to his hand. We walk according to his plan. We are his bondservants and praise God we are because that means we are under his protection. We're in his hand. We are his people called by his name to give him glory, to speak his word, commissioned, a great commission, a grand commission to go and to speak, to teach, to baptize and and to make disciples that we have been bought. Praise God for that, that that everything that we deal with, the messiness of life, all this stuff that we go through, that all that has been paid, the price of that, the brokenness of that has been paid on the cross. And now we can hand our messiness back over to Him, our brokenness back over to Him, and by grace through faith, see Him transform us into Him, more into His thinking, His image, knowing His good and perfect will for our lives. So here's His church, knowing they've been bought with the price, knowing that they have great opposition ahead of them, knowing that if they move forward, they don't know what's going to happen next, but that they're moving forward in faith in God's will and the plan that's set before them because he bought them with a price. And they say, look upon these threats. Look upon what's going on, Lord. Look upon who's against us and for your namesake, the namesake of Jesus, and grant us, your bondservants, to continue to speak your word, to continue to be obedient to the call, and to do it with all boldness. Because we see in verse 13, Peter and John did not do this meek and mild. They did not do this They did not speak the name of Jesus just under their own power. They did it in boldness of who Christ is and what he's done. The price that had been paid on the cross, the resurrection from the dead, the death, hell, and the grave has been defeated. Now here we are, 2,000 years later, and and that still is true. Your sins have been paid for. My sins have been paid for, yet sinfulness is still there. Our brokenness has been paid for, yet brokenness is still there. A way has been made through Christ, yet there's others against that way. Yet we walk in boldness because of who Christ is and what he's done in the paid price of the cross. So they say, they ask, Lord, look upon all this. 
We walk according to your plan. We don't know what's going to happen. There may even be fearful in this moment. It'd be totally natural for them to be fearful in this moment. I mean, I would be fearful. Imagine with, with me, like if, if the president or the governor or the mayor or the whatever, someone in authority over you that can put you in jail, even take your life, says, do not speak the name of Jesus. It'd be natural to be fearful. Yet they're saying, in, in all of this, in all their humility before God, they're saying, make us bold. Let us speak boldly. Let us speak with joy. Let us speak with, with absolute conviction and faith in, what, in who Christ is and what he's done and the good news and the teachings he's given us to make disciples, to continue to advance the kingdom. This church goes before the Lord in need of him to remind them, in need of him to refill them of his faithfulness. They see this stuff in front of them. They're reacting the right way in prayer. They're relying, knowing there's a plan, and they ask the right ask because God's transformed their hearts and their minds, and they go, Lord, we want to keep moving in this direction. And we want to keep being bold. And we see here in verse 30, they even go further. They say, while you stretch out your hand and, and heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Here's the idea. They're like, make us bold. Let us do what, we, we're, what you've called us to do. And then you are going to do the work. You are going to work the miracle. You're going to do what you already said you're going to do. We're, we have faith that you're going to do it. It's a miraculous thing when someone gives their life to Christ, when someone's eternally healed, when there's transformation that happens in someone's life through Jesus Christ. You're going to do, you're going to work the wonders, you're going to work the signs, you're going to heal. And I love this in verse 31, when they get to this point where they pray this prayer of faith, asking for boldness, this is how God reacts to them. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Here's something that we have to know, that we have to know, that we have to know. In any circumstance, our God is faithful. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his will. He's faithful. And in fact, that faithfulness is something that when we remind ourselves of it, when we go before the Lord and we know that he's faithful, we know that whatever he's called us to do, wherever he's called us to do it, in the context he's called us to do it, when we preach, when we give the gospel, when we, when we show people the love of Jesus Christ, when we are a city on a hill actively moving and advancing the kingdom of God where people can see Christ in us, when, when that is happening, God is faithful to do what he does. He's faithful to transform lives, to bring people closer to him, to, to, to take someone who's broken and, and, and bring them back together. He is faithful to help you. He is faithful to work in your life. And he's faithful to refill you and remind you of who you are in him and what you've been called to do in him. I love this because verse 31, some, some scholars kind of say this is kind of like a second Pentecost. There's some similarities, but there's definitely some differences. But this, is, this is a moment, a pivotal moment for the church. They pray, they're gathered together, the place shakes. We see a, a manifestation of the presence of God come, it shakes. I mean, it'd be crazy. We're sitting here today, this place started to shake. We're praying, it starts to shake. Like, it'd be crazy. We all like, oh, there's an earthquake. 
right? But for them, they knew it was the manifest presence of God right there. And then they were filled in with the Spirit. And here's the deal. It wasn't that they didn't have the Holy Spirit. It's that God refilled them. God refreshed them. God reminded them. See, that's an amazing part of being part of a body of Christ and being gathered together as a body of Christ. So you have the opportunity to come in, to worship together, to pray together. To, we have the opportunity to open God's word. We have the opportunity to hear and to receive and to apply and to be transformed. We have that opportunity. And we also have the opportunity to be encouraged, to be challenged as well. I don't know about you, but there's been some Sundays where I come into church and I need some encouragement. It's been tough. I've been praying. We've been going through some things. And then you receive encouragement and you're able to go back out and keep doing what you need to do. Keep walking in obedience. And that's what the body of Christ, that's one of our calls is to come together in community, to be together, to pray with each other. Guys, don't miss out on November 9th. I'm sad. I'm going to miss out on it. I'm going to be in a whole other state. I can't make, make it for that. I'm going to be gone. But don't miss out on November 9th. If you can make it come, it's a refreshing time to come together with the body of Christ and to pray, to, to petition God, to come and to seek him together. So don't miss out on that. But here's what's, what's amazing about that is when you do that, God is faithful to refill you to encourage you, to remind you, to put back before you the call that he has for your life and to give you the boldness you need to speak his word where he's called you to speak it. So here's the big question. How do we speak the gospel with all boldness? Looking at how the church of Jesus Christ in the, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 23 through 31, how they react to opposition and to threat. When we see how they react, we, they react with prayer. So you want to preach the gospel, you want to give the gospel, preach the gospel with your life. You want the gospel to be before you, this good news be before you personally, but also for those that, are, that you interact with and have influence over. If you want that, pray. Seek him. Just seek him. He loves you. He's, he's for you. He wants to transform you. He wants to help you. He's given you a, a call, a mission. And some of you guys have been called to do that in places that I can never go. Pastor Dave can never go. The elders of this church can never go. You've been called to go into places that you've been called to go into by God, that you were created, that he predestined for you to go to with all boldness. But he didn't call you to go, go there by yourself as a lone wolf and try to do this under your own power. He's called you to do it within a body and with prayer, with him, with him foremost before you. You've been called. We've all been called. It's how this, that's how this works. Wherever it is, maybe in a school, maybe in a business, maybe whatever it may be, in your neighborhood, with your family, with your friends, no matter what they say, no matter what the reaction may be, you've been called there to let the light of Jesus Christ shine through you, to give the gospel through your life and through your word. There's a, uh, a lady on our core team told this story, and it just, 
It's just an amazing testimony to somebody just walking in obedience through hardship in their life. They, they were dealing with, I'll, give, I'll keep it a little bit broad, but they were dealing with, with imaginable, unimaginable heartbreak. They, they lost a child and they were walking through that. And as they were walking through that, um, they're just walking by faith through grace by, and just trying to just, just do the best they can through this and to seeking God as a family. It was excruciatingly hard for them. But she told the story that about a year or so after they, they lost her child, that a coworker came up to her, that this coworker did not know Christ, and came up to her and decided, I just want to let you know, seeing how you walk through this, brought me to Jesus. And this woman gave her life to Christ by watching this follower of Christ allow God to walk her through this hard, hard, crazy season, to walk her family through this hard, hard, crazy season, and for her to walk by faith in His will through that. It brought this other person to Christ just by her observing, just observing God's faithfulness and this woman's walk. And I got to say, guys, there's people all around you that are observing you as a follower of Christ. And the boldness that we walk in is not just by speech, it's by how we live. It's the audacity to live according to God's word. No matter what the world says, no matter the threat or opposition, to say this this dictates the teachings of Jesus is who I, I put my life on. I build my life on the teachings of Christ, the teachings of God's word. I'm led by his spirit and I'm commissioned and called to let that light shine, to speak of the name of Jesus. When we do that, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. So how do we walk? And how, we, how do we give the gospel with boldness? We pray. We also know that God's got a plan. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for all of our lives. He's got a plan in general. He's sovereign and in control. This is not news to him. It's very, very good to know that nothing we deal with, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's whatever it is, not, whatever we deal with is not news to God. He is in control. It's going to be okay. He's got you. He's, he's got a plan. Rest, rely on his plan and know that he is faithful. We can be bold because he is faithful. No matter if we face opposition, he is faithful to be fruitful to whatever, whatever comes our way. There's a book that I was given, and you might have heard of it. It's, it's, a, it's one of those like every Christian library should have one type of books. It's the Fox Book of Martyrs. You can find it free online too if you just want to look it up. You can Google it and find it somewhere. How many of you guys have heard of that book? All right, a good chunk of you guys. If you haven't, check it out, but it's not light reading. It's a hard read. It's basically what it is. It's, it's all the martyrdom of Christians, especially in the early church, the disciples of Christ, how they died. For the gospel. Now, there's some, 
newer translations and newer stories and stuff that you can find as well. That, that's on you can find out on Amazon, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But the Fox Book of Martyrs, when I was 19, I rededicated my life to Christ. Um, someone put that in my hand and said, you should read this. And it just, it just broke me. It was humbling. But it was sobering as well to know that for the gospel's sake, these people were willing to be, to not just face opposition, to not just see their good name tossed in the mud, but to even give their lives for the gospel. And as followers of Christ, we need to know that what we have, the jewel, the jewel of eternal life in Jesus Christ, and, the, and being able to give that jewel to someone else, to be able to give that gift of, of proclaiming what we have, the hope that resides in us, is worth our very lives. It's worth it. Because this life is just but a vapor, but what we, what we have in Christ is eternity. For those who, are, who, who don't know Christ, who are, who are far from God, that the best gift we could ever give them is the gospel. And it's not the gospel with apology, but the gospel with boldness. We're saying, what you need in this world is not another philosophy or ideology or, or whatever it may be, or to find a Savior outside of Christ. But what you need is Him and His finished work and what He has for you now. And to speak in that boldness because you have it. I heard an atheist say this one time that he loves it when Christians tell him the gospel because he knows that they genuinely care for him because they give him the gospel. It's like, if they didn't care for me, they just let me go. If you care, speak with boldness. If you love, speak with boldness. And whether you care or love, speak with boldness because you care and love your Lord. And you've been called to speak his word with all boldness. Now, if you do not know Jesus, the Lord that we're talking about, the one who died for you, if, you, if, you're, if you're new and you just maybe, you've heard of him, but you've never heard this good news, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I want you to know him like I know him. I want you to know that by what he did on the cross and the resurrection from the, his resurrection from the dead, that he's given you eternal life. And not just eternal life, but a right relationship with God. I want you to know that you can confess your sins to him, that you can give your life totally over to him, and that he is good and faithful to transform you, to heal you, and to help you, and to guide you from now into all of eternity. That you are never alone any longer. That is untrue when you feel it, that you are with him. And if you know him, I want to pray for God to help you just continue to walk in boldness. Or maybe in the first time you know someone that you're, you've been called to give the gospel to, I just pray that you would do that in all boldness as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We know that 
everything that we have for all of eternity comes through him and his finished work on the cross. Lord, you sent your son not because you wanted to condemn this world or you sent him because this world, all of us, were already condemned by our sins. We were already condemned by our actions, that we have already set ourselves against you. Yet you sent your son to make a way to save us, to give us salvation. So Father, we just come before you humbly and we give our whole lives over to you. Whatever is going on, whatever brokenness we have, we hand over to you. For some of us, we're doing this for the first time. We just pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we give our lives over to you, we repent. We say, we don't want to live this way any longer. We don't want to walk on our own by our own power any longer, but we want to walk with Jesus. We want to know you through him. We confess that he is the son of God, that he died for our sins. And we know, Lord, that you resurrected him from the dead. And because you resurrected him from the dead, now you resurrect us into eternal life as well as new creations in Christ. We thank you for that. We give you all the glory for that. And Father, for some of us, we, we know this as an absolute fact in our lives. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to be bold in speaking this truth, this fact to others. Help us, give us wisdom to see how we can display it with our lives, how we can, in all wisdom and boldness, be able to, to give it to others and to be able to see others, to know you through, uh, through our testimony in Christ. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the testimony of your church in the book of Acts. We pray, Lord, that we would follow suit and that we would see this and apply it to our lives. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.